When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast may cause dizziness, confusion, bloating, uncontrollable laughter, and in some cases, anal leakage. Listener discretion is strongly advised. This is episode number 10 of Excuse Me, That's Illegal, the podcast that takes a hardcore look at some softcore crimes. As always, I'm your spooky host, Leroy Luna. Since this episode is Halloween-themed, I will be speaking like a ghost throughout the entirety of the show. Just kidding. That would get old fast. Must be exhausting to be a ghost. Anyways, hey everybody, I hope you're all well. Welcome back to Kuwait's second favorite true crime podcast. That's right, we hit number two on the charts in Kuwait in the true crime category. Just for a couple days, but it was exciting. Little peek behind the curtain for you. I was curious to see how many listeners I had over there, so I looked it up. And bam, six downloads. So probably one person subscribed and binged six episodes that day. And it catapulted me up those charts to superstardom. So don't ever say, one person can't make a difference. If you are listening, and you're that one person in Kuwait, please tell your friends. Get them to subscribe, because I want to be numero uno over there. And reach out. I want to know your story. I'm truly fascinated. As promised, this is going to be a Halloween episode. A bit of a half-ass one, to be honest. There's been a lot of murders, a lot of hardcore happenings on Halloween. But I struggled to find something worthy of covering on this show. Something softcore enough for our palates. I ended up finding a story I enjoyed that didn't exactly take place on Halloween, but it involves a crime that I think we all as kids would associate with Halloween in one way or another. So we're going to tackle it head on. But before we get into all that, I gotta say the reviews keep coming at an alarming rate, so thanks everyone. I really wish I could shout you all out and read every single one, but as you know these episodes are very short, under 25 minutes for the most part, so it'd be kind of weird if I raved about reviews for 10 minutes every time. 
I just want you to know I see you and I appreciate you. People like Rotten Toes from the US of A who said they've been listening to podcasts for years. And this show is the first one they cared enough about to leave a review. That warms my heart. So thank you. I did receive some joke reviews as I requested, so let's bang out a couple of those and lubricate your laughter membranes before we get started. Katie Canuck says, What do you call it when you steal a bottle of Jack Daniels? A whiskey move. I like that one. Karen Farms has one from her son. What's a cow with no legs? A ground beef. Oh yeah, he went there. And Tinkerbell Girl 75 takes the stage with a Halloween joke. What kind of mail do vampires get? A fang mail. Okay, there's that sound again. And definitely not a moment too soon. Alright everybody, let's cruise these spooky streets as I serenade you with another tale of low-level true crime. And don't worry my friends, I promise to have you back home in time to trick or treat. number 10, Year of the Yolk. I'm frightened of eggs. Worse than frightened, they revolt me. That white round thing without any holes. Have you ever seen anything more revolting than an egg yolk breaking and spilling its yellow liquid? Blood is jolly, red, but egg yolk is yellow, revolting. I've never tasted it. Alfred Hitchcock. That was a terrible Alfred Hitchcock. Anyways, a strange take from a strange dude. He does have a good point, though. I love eggs, but if you start to give it more thought, really analyze them, they are kind of nasty. Especially when you smash them open and see them ooze all over. Throwing eggs is something teens love to do, especially on Halloween. At least that was the case in my neighborhood. In fact, I remember trying to purchase some eggs with a buddy of mine back in the 8th grade at a local convenience store. It was Halloween, around 4 in the afternoon, and we were shocked when the store clerk refused us service. He pointed out a sign that stated they wouldn't be selling eggs or toilet paper to anyone under the age of 18 on Halloween. Excuse me, is that even legal? We probably had a better chance of buying a pack of smokes that day. We stormed out of there empty-handed. Insulted. Well, not too insulted, since we were buying those eggs for the very same reason they were refusing us service to begin with. If we bought that carton of eggs, there surely would have been a couple of messy houses that night. But that would have been nothing in comparison to the carnage experienced day in and day out at a home in Ohio back in 2014. Okay, our story begins sometime in the mid-1950s. A pair of young newlyweds have just bought a humble home on the corner of Wilmore Avenue and East 210th Street. This is in Euclid, which is a city in Cuyahoga County, in the state of Ohio, Ohio, Ohio. Time flies by. 
The happy couple start a little family of their own, and we fast forward about 60 years later to 2014. Albert Clemens Sr., the man of the house, is now a widower, as sadly his beautiful bride has passed away. But don't worry, our man Albert, now 85 years of age, damn, don't blink during this story, he's not lonely. He is not alone, his kids still live with him, even though they are old, I guess they never moved out. Michael Jackson entered in the building. Seriously, though, he lives there with his son, who is now 51, and his daughter, who is 49. Do they have kids of their own? Are they just there to help out their dear old dad? I have no idea. It's irrelevant to the story. I like to think they just never grew up, because there's no place like home. To hear a bit more about Euclid, Ohio, where this family lives, let's get some stats straight out of trustyoldneighborhoodscout.com. The chance of becoming a victim of either violent or property crime in Euclid is 1 in 31. Based on FBI crime data, Euclid is not one of the safest communities in America. Relative to Ohio, Euclid has a crime rate that is higher than 90% of the state's cities and towns of all sizes. Alright, so why are we here visiting this family? Well, we're here for the property crime, of course. It all started around May of 2014. That's when the first egg was thrown. The first of over 100 separate egg attacks on the family home. Yeah, that's right. Triple digits, baby. And they just never really stopped. They would slow down a little in the winter weather, but for well over a year, this was happening very frequently. Sometimes a couple separate attacks in a day. And whoever is doing this actually has pretty good aim. Here's the first of many quotes from our man Albert. Quote, The accuracy is phenomenal. Because almost every time when it's nice weather and they launch five or six of these at a time, they almost invariably hit the front door. End quote. The eggings always happen at night when it's dark and they can last up to 10 minutes. Sometimes their house gets hit as late as 2 a.m. It sounds like gunshots when the eggs hit the aluminum siding, which they're guessing are being thrown from up to two blocks away. So damn, uh, no doubt that would be loud especially on a quiet night when you're in bed counting sheep. Here's more from old man Albert, talking about the toll this took on himself and his family. Quote, We were virtually held hostage in our home, unable to use the front entrance during and after dark hours. The attacks occurred at least three to five times a week. End quote. Albert got the police involved in the action quite early, and unlike other stories we've heard so far, the police, neighbors, even government officials were on board, taking the situation seriously, trying to help Albert and his family catch this troublemaker. Lieutenant Mitch Hauser, who was working on the case, felt whoever was doing this had an axe to grind. Quote, Somebody is deeply, deeply angry at somebody in that household for some reason. End quote. He is quite the wordsmith. It really is insane how much time and effort police put into this, though. Albert's home is only about a mile from the police station, so they would arrive as soon as possible whenever the house was egged. They put a surveillance camera on the house. Police would go around the neighborhood asking if anyone had seen anything suspicious. They would do stakeouts, going undercover trying to nab the scumbag in the act. The police put up a $500 reward for info leading to an arrest, and when that didn't work, they bumped it up to $1,000. Oh, and the best part, they even um, they collected broken eggshells from the scene and took them to a lab to get tested. 
They found out some of the eggs were from a local Amish farm, but that's as far as that went. Anyone could have got them from there. They also think because there are so many eggs being thrown, the person or persons responsible have access to an unlimited amount, potentially stealing them from local restaurants or businesses as well. So they investigated that angle, asking around, and that has also led nowhere. They tried to get fingerprints from the shells, but Lieutenant Hauser said proteins that are released when an egg breaks? Well, they mess up the DNA, making that another dead end. I'm no forensic expert, so I'll have to take his word for it. Needless to say, police were scrambling to find whoever is responsible. A frustrated Lieutenant Hauser said, quote, The person or people who are doing it have remained very tight-lipped, apparently. I would imagine it would be hard to keep a secret of something that had been done hundreds of times and for nobody to step forward to talk about it, End quote. Hundreds of hours were put into this manhunt to find out who's been egging Albert's house. Kudos to the police for trying so hard. Usually it's the opposite, little to no help for them to solve these softcore crimes. But I'm feeling the opposite this time. Like maybe the juice isn't worth the squeeze here. Don't they have more important things to do? Actually, I take that back. It's nice to see them band together to try and help out this family. Here's yet another Lieutenant Hauser quote. Oh God, this guy takes a lot out of me. Quote, The man hours put into that investigation were huge, and one of the reasons it's so frustrating that we don't have somebody right now that we can criminally charge. End quote. Criminal damaging and felony vandalism are the charges that the perpetrator would potentially face. There's pictures of the house, and it's really quite sad. It's a little green two-story home. And in the beginning, Albert was cleaning up each time, but eventually, as you can imagine, it got to be too much. Albert and his family stopped cleaning up the eggs, and the house is just a pitiful mess. Looks like a bunch of seagulls shit all over it. Originally, I thought, lazy teenagers, they should be helping their old man clean up the house. Then I remembered the kids are no spring chickens either, at 49 and 51 years of age. It must feel like a lost cause, because each time they clean up, they know it's only a matter of time before eggs come hurtling at their door once again. Eggs are brutal to clean up, so I really do sympathize with the family here. About 10 years back, I remember getting into my car and noticing the driver's side door had been pelted with a couple of eggs. It was summer, and by the time I noticed them, they were dry and crusty. It took me a good half hour to get that bucket of bolts looking respectable once again. Oh, and I gotta add that the siding was also dented to go along with the stripped paint on the side of the house. And to top it all off, Albert's insurance company said they would not settle anything until the perpetrator was caught, kind of leaving everything in a standstill and leaving poor Albert in quite the dilly of a pickle. Our man Albert had a couple of suspects, neighbors with whom he didn't quite get along with, but one of them was standing right there with him and a couple of officers when some eggs were thrown, so he scratched that dude off the list. There was also a neighbor who he had a confrontation with after Albert had called the cops on him a couple of times for drug-related activities, but this was two years ago. Now would usually be the time when I'd throw out a few theories of my own, and we go on our merry way, because this looked like an unsolvable case, but I'm happy to say that this time around, I don't have to do that, because a man was finally caught for these crimes, and we'll get into that after this short break.
Okay, welcome back from the break. Any respectable podcast would have played an ad there. I'm not quite at that point yet, so that is what you get for a transition. Anyways, where was I? Oh yes, the mystery man who was egging old man Albert's home was finally caught. Jason Kozan was a neighbor of Albert's who was egging his house from approximately May 2014 to June 2015. It seems to change all the time. I've seen that it started in March or May 2014, which I'm sure things started slowly so it's hard to pinpoint and remember exactly when it all began. And I've also seen that it ended in April or June of 2015. Old Man Albert said it happened for over two years. So yeah, tough to really get a read on the time frame. Jason Kozan is a 31-year-old babyface wannabe thug. He was a neighbor of Albert's, but he moved, and that's when the attack slowly started to fizzle out. Maybe that's what led to the discrepancy in the timing of the final attacks. According to Albert, Jason Kozan was living with his grandmother, whose house was diagonally across the street from him. Jason's grandmother was actually a neighborhood friend of Albert's for over 50 years. Crazy. And Jason wasn't even one of the people on Albert's radar. It's a bit of an anticlimactic ending as we never really find out how he was caught or why he was doing these attacks in the first place. Maybe when they moved and the attacks stopped, that threw up some red flags. Albert read a victim impact statement. I found it kind of sad as clearly these attacks took a lot out of him and stressed out the poor guy. But it's also devilishly hilarious all at the same time. I won't do the whole thing as it's kind of long, but we'll hear some of the juicy bits. Quote, For over two years, Jason Kozan subjected my family to a constant barrage of flying eggs, assorted produce such as apples, oranges, potatoes, and grapefruits. My daughter was hit squarely on the chest by an egg. I was narrowly missed by a flying potato. A responding officer was hit in the foot by an egg. End quote. Great stuff. Uh, dangerous, don't get me wrong, and Jason Kozan is a moron, but I love to hear it from cute little old Albert. Here's some more. Quote, We were encouraged by the Euclid Police Department to call each time an attack occurred, which we did, resulting in 118 documented police reports. Each incident was responded to by as many as three officers, resulting into untold hours of police involvement and the tying up of police vehicles and equipment that should have been available for other emergency purposes, end quote. So yeah, 118 times he called the police. That really was a waste of time. Albert speaks the truth. Albert also discussed the money that it cost him to repair damaged windows, screens, and all the dents in his siding. One thing he didn't have to worry about was the hassle and cost of repainting the house. In the feel-good segment of this story, we have a man named John Newbert, owner of Newbert Painting, which is a company from Brook Park, who volunteered his company services when he heard of poor Albert's troubles. His company cleaned up and painted the home free of charge as part of their Paint It Forward program. So bravo. Excuse me while I shed a happy single tear. Okay, so punishment. What was Jason Kozan's punishment for all the time, money, and stress he caused for Albert's family and the Euclid Police Department, you ask? Well, in the beginning, he was charged with menacing by stalking, aggravated menacing, and vandalism. Eventually, when all was said and done, he pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor charge of inducing panic. 
He received a six-month suspended sentence and 18 months probation. Not bad. He also had to pay a $1,000 fine. And that's it for all the trouble he caused. I am not impressed. I was hoping they'd really give it to him. I mean, egging a, a house a couple of times is fun, but to do it to a nice little old man this many times is inexcusable. Albert led on to a decent theory as to why Jason did it, and also pleaded with the court to show no mercy to this 31-year-old turd. Let's hear it from his victim impact statement. I think Albert deserves at least that. Quote, The motive for Mr. Kozan's volatile anger toward us is still a mystery. It may have been directed at the Euclid Police Department. It may be that his intention was to frustrate them in retaliation concerning several traffic enforcement violations that he had experienced. In any event, Mr. Kozan's unwarranted hatred and bizarre treatment of our family during this two-year period has been an ongoing nightmare of fear, frustration, and anguish, and we feel he should be punished to the full extent that the law provides. His actions were a direct attack not only to our family, but also to the Euclid Police Department and to the citizens of the city of Euclid. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. You tell him, Albert. Yeah, this whole thing may have very well been Jason Kozan's immature little way of sticking it to the Euclid Police Department. He probably got off on causing confusion and frustration for the police along with wasting their time and resources. And if that's the case, poor Albert and his family were collateral damage and sadly left to pick up the pieces. Damn, I should have had Andrew, our resident behavioral expert, take a look at this case. Unfortunately, I kind of left it last minute, but I think our man Albert did a decent job in his absence. Sadly, as I was finishing up this story, something made me Google Albert Clemens Sr. Euclid obituary, and I hope nothing would pop up. Unfortunately, according to Legacy.com, it says Albert Clemens Sr. passed away on May 16th, 2018 in Euclid, Ohio. So I guess he got a couple years of peace after all this was said and done. Um, I'm glad he got some closure, and I hope he slept soundly, satisfied in the knowledge that little turd Jason Kozan had finally been caught. Earlier in the story, before the mystery had been solved, old man Albert was asked if he ever thought about just moving out of the house to fix his problems. Final Albert Clemens quote, I like the neighborhood. I like the city of Euclid. I would live and die in this house, but it's been kind of a nightmare. End quote. Well, he certainly was a man of his word. Live and die indeed, Albert. Live and die indeed. And on that creepy note, we are back. That's a wrap on episode number 10, Year of the Yoke. I hope you enjoyed this spooky Halloween offering. Special thanks, as always, to Steffi for voicing the disclaimer, the operator for creating the sweet, sweet theme song, and my boo for editing this episode. Let's dedicate this episode to Albert Clemens and his little greenhouse. Hey, why not? I hope they are both getting the peace and quiet they both so desperately crave. I do have a promo to hit you with on the way out. It comes from my pals Jen and Cam, hostesses of our True Crime Podcast. I'm not a part of it. It's literally called our True Crime Podcast. I really enjoy this one. Well-researched, and the hosts are a lot of fun. 
So check it out if you're in the market for another true crime podcast to listen to. As for me, I'll holla at you in another 10 days. Stay safe out there, my friends. Peace. This is Edward October. It's Sunday morning, and I'm here at a typical American home. But inside, Jen and Cam of our true crime podcast sit down to record their latest episode. Though Jen and Cam are lifelong friends, they approach true crime with the utmost professionalism. They're focused. So, 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 what do you Highly articulate. Alachua, is that how you say it? Um, right. Alachua, like Joshua, but Alachua. Alachua. <laughs> you will Alachua onto my... And above all, compassionate. Honestly, I debated if I wanted to do this. And in the end, I decided it was important to honor this baby's short life. Every day, more folks wake up hungry for a true crime podcast. And our true crime podcast is enjoyed best by more people. So whenever you're downloading any podcast of any kind, be sure to download an extra episode of our true crime podcast. You'll like them. Available on all your favorite podcatchers or at OurTrueCrimePodcast.com. See this? The mouth, it gets me in trouble. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.